are in this series on Peter, and uh, I'm uh, been excited about getting to teach through Peter. I just identify with Peter so much because Peter tends to sometimes be a knucklehead, and I'm always a knucklehead. So uh, anything Peter ever did wrong, I'd do to the like nth degree. So, um, but uh, the grace is amazing. Uh, throughout his life, and uh, it's the reminder that his grace is amazing in mine. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, super glad that you're here with us this morning. A couple of things, uh, you know, we've had uh, we've had uh, a few babies born uh, within uh, the church here in the last week or two. Uh, John and Jenny Moore uh, had their baby this week, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and then uh, Josh and uh, Jordan. Um, Phillips also had their baby uh, this past week, uh, and then uh, we've actually had someone, uh, we lost one of our members this week, uh, Dan Price passed this week, and so uh, Dan's heart has been giving him problems for a long time, and uh, his words were, I am anxious to go be with the Lord this week, and so I uh, got to spend a few moments in prayer with him this week and Gail, and so uh, they'll be announcing either today or tomorrow uh, all of the uh, the funeral arrangements and all that kind of stuff, so be expecting to see that uh, coming through, but uh, we love them dearly, and uh, they have served well. Um, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to jump into uh, the book of John this morning. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, and they'll be glad to bring you one, and you can consider it a gift. Keep it if you don't own it. Own one, and uh, if you do and need to borrow it, like Perry, that's fine too. Uh, but uh, no, we, we'd love for you to, to get one and follow along with us in God's Word. We're sticking primarily in one passage today. Uh, that's not technically true. We've got another. I said primarily. Uh, we have one other passage, two passages. So, uh, But uh, John chapter 13 is where we're going today, and uh, we're taking a look at uh, Peter's life. And uh, we're seeing uh, Jesus do a job, uh, and it's a dirty job. Uh, I don't know if you uh, enjoy the television show Dirty Jobs. I do. I especially enjoy uh, watching that show. I don't know what it is. Uh, thank you, Mike Rowe, for bringing that to us. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things just to be reminded sometimes of, you know, even as bad as you may think you've got it, somebody may have it worse. Uh, if nothing else, and uh, but uh, no, it's I just find that sort of thing interesting. Uh, and today we're catching up with Jesus doing a dirty job. It's much dirtier than what we what we realize and what we think about. And so, um, yeah, it's uh, let's look at it. John thirteen. Let's uh, let's study it together and see what it says. I want to read uh, a little bit, and we'll stop and talk, and read a little bit, and stop and talk, and that kind of thing. So, uh, John thirteen verse one, and it says this. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it on the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, it's not Simon Peter he's talking about there, by the way, to betray him, Simon Iscariot, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Now, the supper, this is talking about the last supper, okay? This is that supper, so this is 
happening, you know, within those moments uh, of Scripture. And so, um, uh, verse 4, rose, uh, let's see, where'd I go? Yeah, rose from supper, verse 4. Uh, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if you do not, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, not all of you are clean. So let's stop right there and kind of talk about this passage a little bit. Um, this is this is a uh, you know a tremendous passage to our faith. Uh, you know, first of all, we're we're talking about we're talking about the Lord's Supper. Uh, we'll be taking the Lord's Supper today, by the way, for anybody that's a believer. Uh, and um, you know, it, I think when you look at this and you see what's going on, there's there's a lot of things being said. There's a lot of things that Jesus is saying. There's some things we've got Simon Peter saying. Um, I, I think to go back and kind of give a little context even to, to just re- be reminded of, of what's happened up until now. You know, we're, we're later in the ministry. You know, we've, we've skipped, uh, you know, we'll be skipping around a little bit. We're, we're skipping ahead a little bit here into Simon Peter's life as we're studying about him. Um, but really, we're really always studying about Jesus, right? And so, you know, to see this moment in Simon Peter's life I think is important for us to kind of remember at this point, he's been with Jesus through doing all sorts of ministry. He has seen all sorts of things. At this point, I mean, God has just moved and done great and awesome things through Jesus. And so Simon Peter sees Jesus coming to him to wash his feet. In fact, he's washing all of the disciples' feet. And, and this is, by the way, something that would, if, if, if you were going to wash someone's feet, this is something that you would have done for them when they got to your house. You know, it's almost kind of like the idea of like you've been to somebody's house and they're like, hey, uh, please take your shoes off for me, you know, kind of thing. You know, those, you know those types of people? Some of you are those types of people, aren't you? Some of y'all got that white carpet, right? That's a terrible decision and you know it. <laughs> your, house doesn't, your house doesn't look like a, a palace. It's still a house, okay? But anyway... No, I'm just messing. So, you know, but, you know, what, what you've got is, you know, historically, that would have been something you would have done when they first got there, and especially not something you would have done while they're eating or while you're eating. Like, they've already started supper, you know, and, you know, at this point, for them to have done that and for him to be, you know, kind of, you know, hey, we're going to take a break here and we're going to come and wash everybody's feet. You know, and to us, this seems like a strange thing, you know, because the whole foot washing thing seems strange to us. But uh, the truth is, is that Jesus is trying to make a point here. One of the things that I love that it says uh, at the end of verse 1, 
uh, or let's just read verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You know, and so we've got this whole like picture, you know, of, of Jesus in, G, you know, Jesus' mindset in this moment is I'm about to go back to be with the Father. And, you know, this, you know, and John's making this statement again, we got, we got John the beloved, okay? John, you know, Jesus is really, you know, beloved disciple, super close to Jesus, all these things, you know, writing this. <clears throat> and, you know, for us to, just grasp for even just a moment that he, if nobody else, has really sensed, you know, what's going on with Jesus. He's really sensed, you know, and he's sharing that with us, and he's sharing with us, you know, in this aftermath of when this was penned, of, you know, what he sensed with Jesus, and he's sensing, you know, Jesus is, you know, warring a little bit with some of these things, and seeing some of these things, and thinking on some of these things, probably because he talked about some of these things to John, and and here, and it says, and the and you know, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I think this is this is an important statement because we know that all the disciples were not all that lovable. You know, you know, some of them were not as lovable as others. In fact, we've got one in the midst here that's going to betray him. And it goes on, it says, During supper, when the devil had already put it on the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, garments taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them off, wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. This is a key point for our lives right here. Don't miss it. Don't miss it because of the rest of what's happening in this moment. But Jesus is saying something that is so true for us and for our relationships with him and for our faith. I mean, just think about that statement for a minute. What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. This is a, this is a Mr. Miyagi moment, okay? You know? This is, a, this is one of those, you know, just follow my lead here moments. You know, you don't get it right now, you're going to get it later. And how many moments like that do we have in our lives when it comes to our relationship to Jesus and him leading us to do things sometimes that we don't completely understand? God, why would you want me to do that right now? Why, why would you put this person in front of me right now? This is not what I need right now. We think we know what we need, right? There's mistake number one. God knows what we need. More importantly, he knows what he wants. He knows what he needs. And he's called us to worship him, to glorify him, to serve him in all the things, right? 
And so here in this moment, what I'm doing now, you do not understand. What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. It's so true for so many moments along the way in our relationship with the Lord. And it goes on and it says, And Peter said to him, verse 8, You shall never wash my feet. You shall never wash my feet. In fact, the literal translation of this is never to eternity. Never to eternity. Like he's like, you will never for the rest of time wash my feet. And why is Peter saying this? Well, Peter's saying this because, you know, the whole foot washing thing was super like, you know, I, you know super, a super dirty job. It's a super dirty job, and we'll get to that. Peter's pushback to this is honestly a natural response to God's grace that we have all had at some point in time. The thought that God would do something for us that we don't deserve, and our natural reaction many times to that is, oh my gosh, no, I can't even accept that. In fact, because especially I think that we live in this world where we feel like we have to earn everything, and we can't earn God's grace. He gives it freely as a gift, you know, I think it's important for us to, to kind of see what's happening in this moment. You know, his initial response is like, Jesus, you can't do this for me, and I'm not going to let you do this for me. Like, from now and forever, till the end of time, never to eternity. And we have this same response at, at times to his grace. You know, it, it just doesn't feel like it could be real. It doesn't feel like it could be real. It feels like, feels like a scam. When was the last time you had somebody try to scam you? You know, I mean, it's every time you turn around. I mean, you know, if you're looking to buy something on Marketplace or whatever it is, I mean, you, you mean there's always somebody trying to scam you. There was somebody that posted something last night on a page, and, I, you know, it's funny, you know, in certain hobbies and things, you just get to know certain things, and you can just, I mean, like immediately sometimes you can just tell, Something's a scam. Somebody was selling something for way, way, way less than they should have, you know, you know, real quick. Uh, well, first of all, the description wasn't accurate at all in, in like even saying what the thing was. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, it was priced, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars cheaper than it should have been. And, you know, real quick, I just posted on there, I'll take a dozen, you know, just give, just go ahead and send them, put them on a truck. Let's get them going, you know. And, of course, everybody, all the other people, that a lot of people that I know in that little world or whatever, they're, they're on there and they're laughy-facing, you know, my comment stuff because they know what I know. This is a scam. God's not scamming us. We, we don't deserve it, and yet he's still giving it. And it's not even like it's discounted. It's free for us but it came at a cost for him. I want to read to you what the ESV Study Bible says about Peter in this particular passage right here. It says this. It says, Peter wasn't being noble. He was being foolish, even self-destructive. Unless we submit to the criticism of our uncleanliness indicated by our need of the washing of Christ's blood shed on the cross, 
we have no life in Jesus. Jesus is always more ready to meet us at the throne of grace than we are willing to meet him there. That's a big statement. And therein lies, what's going on here? Was Jesus just tired of their feet stinking at dinner? You know? Was he just sitting there just kind of going, man, this is, you know, this is some good chicken, but I, you know, I don't know about this smell. You guys in the feet, man, you guys got to, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to do something about this, you know? No. No. The foreshadowing of what Jesus is doing here is so evident for us. And that Jesus is essentially telling him, unless you bear, unless you let me bear your dishonor, your uncleanliness, you can't be my follower. You can't be my disciple. He goes on here, verse 9, he says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So Peter changes his tune. When, when Jesus tells him, you know, if I do not wash you, you do not have a share with me, then Simon Peter's like, oh, well, in that case, just give me a bath. Let's just, uh, you know, go to the shower, you know, whatever it takes, you know, dump the thing over my head, you know, let's, let's just go all out if that's the case. And, uh, and so, but then Jesus' response to him in verse 10 is, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. You are clean, but not every one of you. And in verse 11 it says, for he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean. And you are clean. And you are clean. I long to hear those words from the Lord. And you are clean. You know, I think we take for granted the thought that these guys were with Jesus for years, literally every day, following him through him doing all sorts of ministries, serving all sorts of people, doing all sorts of miracles and things. And it's just easy to assume, man, these guys really just, you know, they had, the, not only did they have the front row seat, but man, they, they were in the middle of it and, you know, probably understood it in ways that we can't comprehend. I think the truth is, is especially during his ministry, I think for the majority of his disciples, they're really just trying to understand. They're trying to get it. And even with him day in and day out, they're still learning moment by moment by moment. We have this moment here with Simon Peter where he's learning through the experience of the things that Jesus is teaching as things are happening, you know? He goes on in verse 12 and it says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? And I'm sure the guys are like, yeah, you washed our feet, right? But there's always more to it with Jesus. Verse 13 says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example 
that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread and lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who, I, who sent me. So we'll stop here. We're, we're getting further into this conversation of Jesus, you know, after he's washed their feet. And he's talking through some things here. In verse 15, you know, he says, For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than, a ma- than, a, than his master, nor is a messenger greater than one who sent him. So then he's, he's given this, you know, kind of a teaching moment of, hey, guys, I'm setting an example. Here's the example. You know, just as I, your Lord, your teacher have done this for you, you should do it for others. So did Jesus really just, did he want them to like go on a foot washing crusade? You know, is that, is that really what he wanted? You know, I think that'd be a little weird. I know Penny loves a good foot washing when you get a chance to give him one. I've been with him one time in a service when that happened. And let me tell you what, he was crawling under a chair. I think you disappeared actually. (laughs) it's funny how uh you know cultural things change over time right and uh you know with jesus doing this you know he's trying to help them to see you got to be willing to do the worst of the worst for whoever the lord puts in front of you serve them as i have served you Furthermore, he goes on in verse 18. Well, let's read verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay? And then verse 18, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. Uh, And what he's talking about there, he's not talking about chosen in salvation. He's talking about his disciples. He's saying, I know who's here, and they're all supposed to be here. I've chosen my disciples. I've chosen these 12 of you. And I know who I chose, and I didn't make any mistakes. He's making this statement, right? Why is he making this statement? He's making this statement because of what's about to happen. And then verse 18, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know who I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. So he's talking about Judas. He's talking about what Judas is about to do, which is to betray him. And then he goes on, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The thing about the foot washing deal is that, you know, at that point in time, you know, as we well know, it wasn't like everybody was, you know, donning a 
nice set of Air Jordans, you know, if they had the money or whatever. I mean, at, at best, you were, you know, wearing some sandals, maybe something like some Crocs for some of you that still enjoy a Croc. There's a few of you. One of you's not here. Man, that's a shame because I was going to pick at him today, but that's okay. And, uh, but yeah, you know, and so, you know, again, people are walking all the time, you know, every once in a while you might get a horseback ride, but for the most part, you're walking and you don't have shoes and best you're wearing sandals and a lot of people just rocking it barefoot. And so feet were nasty. They were nasty. In fact, the act, the act of washing feet was something that was actually held for people that were servants and slaves. So, you know, and only in just maybe, you know, crazy circumstances, maybe even a family member might wash your feet. But for the most part, it was something that you didn't want to be doing because it wasn't just not clean in the sense of people's feet were nasty. It was not clean in the sense that it was literally considered unclean by religion standpoint at that moment in time in history that you didn't do this. This was an unclean thing, unfit for someone who's following the Lord, okay? And so for Jesus to do this, when he talks about, when he starts to do this, you know, the crazy thing is, is, you know, of course, Peter sees this, and Peter, you know, doesn't even want him to touch his feet. He's like, Jesus, no. And I'm thinking, well, Peter has seen Jesus through all of these moments up until this point. No wonder he doesn't want Jesus to do this. He's like, Jesus, you... You can't, you, you can't do this. I won't let you do this. Like, it's, it's, it's super, super unclean. I can't allow you to wash my feet. What's interesting is he doesn't want Jesus to wash his feet. But Judas never says a word. You notice that? Judas never says a word. And it's interesting to me that the guy who's about to sell him out for a sack of silver sits there, sits at the table, probably continuing to eat while Jesus washes his feet. And Judas would end up in the end leaving this whole scene with clean feet. but not a clean heart. Folks, there's a difference between religion and salvation in Jesus. Okay? You come to church all you want. You can walk out of here and a whole, you know, there could be, uh, News Channel 5 could have cameras set up outside waiting for you to come out to, to, to show everybody in the world, well, Look, the, the Wilsons were at church today, right? You know, and the whole world can know. And all the people that watch go, oh my goodness, look at, look at the Wilsons. They're so holy, so good. I just love the Lord. I mean, we can put on a good face, right? 
But at the end of the day, it's what's in our hearts that matters. Jesus washed his feet. Jesus washed the feet of the guy who would betray him. Literally, literally moments after he would do it. You know, you and me, that's not how we work. Right? Got, you catch wind that somebody said something bad about you? What are you doing? You calling them up to see if they want to go have some pizza? No. You're avoiding them at the supermarket. You're like, do not go down aisle 13. They are down there right now. We are going to the Fruit Loop section. You know? We will avoid them. We will run from them. We will screen their phone calls. Mm-mm. But that's not what Jesus did. And that's not what he said to do. He said, this is the example. The whole thing. You think he just, on accident, started washing Judas' feet? You think just kind of, you know, he's going down the line and starts on... Oh, oh, it's you. Oh, well, okay, I guess I'll, you know, keep going since we're already here. No. He loved even Judas. He loved even me. He loved even you. Humility is a huge piece. I want us to continue reading as we look at the passage, we see that for Peter and for us, the disciples are beginning to understand, maybe, I think they will in the days to come, for sure, that they've got to trust Jesus now, knowing that they may understand him later, right? And I think about, you know, for Peter how often he must have gone back and talked about these things. You know you know how sometimes we like relive moments and we talk out moments? I think we especially do this after we, after we lose loved ones. I think we especially do that. You know, and we'll talk about, you know, you remember that time that so-and-so did this and he said that? You know, but think about that from like Peter's standpoint where it's not just a loved one, it's Jesus. And so then in hindsight, later on, he's going back and he's reliving these memories and he's reliving these statements. Statements like, and you are clean. And I'm telling you this now so that you will understand later. And I think about how many times in my life the Lord has led me to do something and then along the way, I didn't really understand why exactly that was happening then but then later on I understood more of what he had in mind let's keep reading verse 21 it says this it says after saying these things Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified truly truly I say to you one of you will betray me the disciples looked at one another uncertain of whom he spoke one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus who was speaking. So Simon Peter's just like, hey, bro, 
See what, see what he's talking about. See who he's talking about right now. You know, and I can imagine, like, he's probably protective of Jesus even at this point. Like, we see, we're going to see him be protective of Jesus if we don't believe it yet. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, he's probably being like, what? What? One of, one of you guys is about to betray, betray Jesus? Oh, you're going to get a piece of me, right? And then in verse 25, it says, So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. I, th- you know, that passage is, I'll be honest with you, I, that's, that's only, honestly one of those things that I, I'm not sure I'll fully understand exactly what Jesus fully meant there when he talks about Satan entered into him. I don't know if that meant that, you know, he g- was given a demon uh, or literally Satan, you know, just the, the work in his heart that he just, that Judas just gave himself over to the devil in that moment or whatever it may have been. But I mean, that's chilling to me. And it's, re- it's reminding me of like oftentimes what it's like for us in our sin. We're like, we know, I'm not, not, I, don't, I don't need to go this way. I don't need to go this way. I need to go that way. And then we're like, but okay, I'm committing to it and I'm doing it now. And it's like in that moment, it's like we turn our back on the Lord, Right? He goes in, by the way, I'm not saying that Satan enters into us when that happens, by the way. Verse 28, it says, Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought Judas Iscariot had the money bag. Jesus was telling him, buy what you need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. And it was night. And I think about what it must have been like for these guys having just, I mean, here's the Last Supper. And by the way, you know, it's funny, normally when we have Lord's Supper, and, and, and understandably so, if you notice, like we normally read from the other accounts of the Lord's Supper during those moments because we catch all these other things that are so pleasant to hear Jesus say. You know, here's the bread and here's the cup and what they mean and all these things, you know, and rarely are we coming to, you know, oh, and well, you know, and then, you know, Judas got Satan, you know, anymore, you know, whatever, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, it's not usually the, the way we go with that, right? But this is, this is the same moment. This is just John's account of it. And John's helping us to see some things that were going on here that are so important for us to know. And I, and I love that because at the end of the day, what we get is, is because of John's account, we get the picture of the fact that Jesus washed everyone's feet. Everyone. And I think for so many of us, I think we think, oh, they're not worthy of that. You know, oh, I don't want to give them any time. You know, I think they're, they're bad people or whatever. Jesus didn't see it that way. Jesus didn't see the worst of sinners that way. 
He saw them as his creation, whom he loved, whom he cared for. And what we have here is really the picture of ultimate humility. Ultimate humility. This moment in time where he's doing something that was considered so unclean and that people wouldn't have touched your feet in that moment in time, you know, unless they just absolutely had to because you owned them. Because you owned them. Because they were literally a slave and they had no choice. Those were the people that washed feet. Not the creator of the world. But he came to blow all that up. And I'm thankful that he did. Thankful that he did. And his level of humility reminds me of that level of humility that Paul talks about, and I could not talk about it in Philippians 2, verse 3. And it says this, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of who? Others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he would humble himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it gets better because it didn't stop with the cross. Therefore, God was highly exalted, has, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And today it leaves me being reminded of the call that God has put on my life and it's the same call that's been put on your life. Serve others for him. Serve others for him. That's it. God glorified. That's the purpose, right? That's the plan. If you got another plan, find, you know, find a way out. Quit that plan. Start, start this plan. I'm just telling you. There's no ride like the one that the Lord has for you. I'm reminded that if, if it were not for his grace in my life, I'd been running to sell him out too. To God be the glory for what he's done in my life in showing me who he is and allowing me to be a part of his family. And the question is today is do you know him? I hope so. Trust. Believe. Let him do the work to help you understand even in time. You don't have to understand all of it right this second. They didn't know. They didn't know. Peter didn't know. He didn't fully understand. John, we know, didn't fully understand. He's the one that this is coming from. Trust. Believe. We now know that Jesus was washing their hands. I'm sorry, washing their feet. 
with the hands that in a moment would be nailed to a cross. All to make a point. And that was, one, that they should serve one another, that we should serve one another, and two, that we would grasp that he had really come to wash away their uncleanliness, not their feet. He came to clean up. Cleaning up's a big part of life at our house. When you got nine people in a three-bedroom, you can do that math sometime for, on your own. It gets interesting. People sleep on couches, and I don't know why. They own, we own beds for everybody. But still, there's people on couches. This is what happens when you get teenagers. And cleaning up is tough sometimes. But that's what Jesus came to do. He came to clean up. For Jesus, washing their feet seemed like such a huge thing to do. Gospel Transformation Study Bible says again, he says, it said, but he was chosen to be our substitute before our example. He was chosen to be our substitute before our example. He knew. He knew what the goal was. And he wasn't, it wasn't that he was veering off of it. It's that he was fulfilling it. Him washing their feet flowed out of his plan to wash them by his grace. Truly, it was just the beginning of him cleaning up for us all. And as Jesus said, now, now, you are clean. Today, if you've never trusted in Jesus to be your Savior, I encourage you, seek him. Let him speak to your heart. He wants to save you. He came. He came for you. He came for me. He came for any who would just believe in him and trust in him, that he is enough. And he is. He is enough. And he is the only one that makes us clean. For those of us that already know him, we're challenged today by the example to love, to serve, to be a part of the process of washing others but to be reminded that Jesus is the one that cleanses only with his grace. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for your son. Thank you for allowing us a glimpse into his life and even the reactions of those people around him who loved him and followed him. God, I pray today, Lord, that we could faithfully try to follow you. Lord, help us. Help us to faithfully follow you. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus' life. God, as we take this time in a moment to, to celebrate and to remember and to internalize, Lord, what you have done for us. God, I pray that you would be glorified in it. God, for anyone that's never trusted in you and believed in you, God, I pray that today would be that day. And God, I pray that they would come and talk. God, that they would let it be known, that we could pray with them, we could encourage them and welcome them into the family of God. God, do that work in their hearts. Save them now. May they cry out to you right now and say, God, I need you. Save me today. Make me new today.
God, we ask all this today in your son's name. Amen. As we take this time, communion, I'm going to go to the foyer, and if you would like to talk about knowing Christ as your Savior, I would love to speak with you.